This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast. I'm Jamie Long and it's Friday the 8th of April. And first today, the owners of a Kent's animal sanctuary say they're devastated not to have been given planning permission. Happy Pants Ranch moved onto land in Bobbing near Sittingbourne last January. They've had to deal with noise complaints from people living nearby and concerns about contaminated waste. Amy James runs the Happy Pants Ranch with her partner Phil. I mean, it's devastating, like, that's the bottom line, but it's, it's such a mixture of emotions. Like, I'm angry because of, obviously, what's happened, and I feel there's a massive injustice been done. Um, I feel tired because <laughs> it's, I, you know, we put a lot of effort into everything before that meeting. Um, but I think, as well, I feel ready to, I suppose, continue the battle to fight on really and uh, appeal it but yeah it's a whole I don't think it's sunk in yet it's um today obviously that the animals don't know and the animals just need feeding as normal and everything else so you know you sort of half of you just carrying on as normal and then every now and then I think oh I remember what happened last night and obviously the consequences of that but I'm just going to take like a day to to sort of come down just to rest a little bit from it um and then I think over the weekend we'll just start start appealing the decision really that's that's all we can do and just try and stay positive I've had to deal with a lot of this myself of which I've got no experience of you know I'm not a planner an architect or I don't know how to deal with councils before we've never had any of these issues before in, in the whole time the charity has been running so yeah it's all new to me and I've just had to sort of fumble my way through it the council have not been helpful whatsoever um and yeah, it's been really detrimental to to my personal health. Um, I've, I went in hospital the other day with, with chest pains, which they put down to stress. Um, so, yeah, it's taken a massive toll. Yeah, my mental health is, is, is pretty low at the moment. I just have to keep fighting for the animals as much as sometimes, and there's been some days, don't get me wrong, where I've just thought, oh, my God, is this is this worth it? It's been so hard. Um, but we're still here, and the main thing is we've got a lot of support behind us. Without that, there's no way we'd be where we are now. The animals will just carry on as normal. <laughs> they won't know anything about it. They'll be oblivious and happy and living their, their best lives as normal. Um, and then obviously behind the scenes, uh, I will be appealing. That'll be the first on the list to appeal the decision. I've had um, some wonderful offers from uh, solicitors who've said they'll help fight the case, look into the, 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 the discrepancies made by the council. Um, and hopefully, you know, we might win it with an appeal. Um, at least that will give us a bit more time <clears throat> because we just, we have not got the money. The charity has not got the money to move. As much as, to be honest, with the amount of hassle we've had here, I would, if someone offered me a piece of land somewhere else or I won the lottery, I'd, I'd be like, see you, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll get out of your hair. Um, but obviously we haven't got an option of, of going anywhere. Um, I'm hopeful one of the councils at the meeting actually said that, you know, the council as a whole should be, if they're telling us to get off this piece of land, they should really be helping us try and find somewhere new to relocate to. Um, otherwise, it would be a, a huge, huge asset to the, to the community that they're losing. Um, and I mean, God knows where all these animals would go. Like, the reason we've got them is because no one wanted them in the first place. So, you know, and I promised, I promised these animals when I took them on, 
that would be forever. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be giving them up or rehoming them or sending them somewhere else. So I just, I have to keep my word to that and I just have to keep fighting. Next, it's feared delays on Kent's roads could get even worse as more people try to go away for the Easter holidays. There's been major disruption at Dover for the last week as P&O ferries are still suspended. It's also affecting local residents. Rachel Williams was stuck on the M20 near Junction 8 for hours as she tried to get home to Beerstead. She's been telling our reporter Ishmael about being caught up in the delays. Ordinarily, it would take me, uh, well, I've, I've come from Blue Water, so normally that would be a 40-minute journey. Um, and so far, uh, if you add on the journey to get to this point and the waiting time, we've probably been about four and a half hours so far. Wow. And, and are you on your own at the moment? or? No, I've got my daughter with me who's, who's 11. And, I mean, how, how are you guys holding up in there? Yeah, well, um, she's got nothing to drink, so she's absolutely losing her mind because she said she's got nothing to drink she's really hungry she had nothing to eat because we thought we'd be home at lunchtime so she's um starving and had nothing and nothing to drink and plus the lorry drivers are all getting out of their lorries now and using the verge to go to the toilet so we're trying not to look out the window for that you mentioned about the changes to operation brought they extended it effectively covering up yeah. to sort of four junctions so that's why it seems much worse and it, it doesn't look like it's made any difference in fact made things worse compared to yesterday Oh, this is the worst. I mean, it's been like this for about four or five days. This by far is the worst I've ever seen. Normally, there's a process for the lorries to get filtered out of from the cars, but there's cars all stuck in this with the lorry drivers, and the car next to me has got... She looks like she's got two or three very, very small children and a baby, and she looks like she's losing her mind. I know that I know they've got a headache trying to do all this, but this isn't this simply isn't working. We've been here a year or two years ago when a similar thing happened at the ports. This process does not work. They've got to find a different way to filter the lorries off at a much earlier stage. And just looking ahead, I mean, how many must look like miles and miles of queues ahead of you? Oh my god, I can't even. It just looks like Armageddon. There is just. Every, all the lorry drivers sitting on the hard shoulder, there are just, it's just thousands of people and just nothing has moved. And I can't see this clearing up anytime soon. If this goes into this evening, I don't know what people are going to do. I don't even know how, I mean, the signage is rubbish. It just says you'll exit at, at exit eight. So the signage isn't up early enough. So people, you know, if I'd have known this was going to happen, we would have come off a much earlier point. You're not helping people navigate around this system and I think the most urgent thing is Kent Police we've seen about six police cars they need to come and help people Elsewhere, the man who murdered primary school teacher Sabina Nessa has been jailed for life with a minimum of 36 years. 36-year-old Kochi Salamarge from Eastbourne admitted killing the 28-year-old in south-east London last year. She was walking through a park in Kidbrook when she was attacked. Police also searched an area of woodland near Tunbridge Wells as part of their investigation, while Detective Chief Inspector Neil John led the investigation. No amount of sentence is going to bring Sabina back, as we all know that. But what I am pleased and relieved with is the sentence that he will likely get will mean that he will not be able to cause uh, misery or harm to any other decent members of the public. It's, it's very, well, it's simply unknown at the moment why Selimaj travelled to London, and in particular the Kidbrook area. 
We know from the movements of his vehicle that he first went to Brighton, but then quickly turned around and made his way up to Kidbrook Village. Uh, why Kidbrook Park? I have no idea, uh, and it's something he's never explained to this day. Uh, the question as to why Sabina was targeted is probably easier to um, to come to terms with in as much as that she was walking through the park. He'd been in that park for 22 minutes skulking in the shadows and unfortunately Sabina pre presented herself as an opportunity. Not getting all the answers to all the questions is clearly frustrating to those who were investigating but in fairness the frustration levels will be more acute with the family. The family have got to live with what's happened to their daughter and their aunt and their sister etc. So it's it's not, a, it's not a case of feeling sorry for them, it's, it's a part of our job, but my heart goes out to the family for not knowing the ins and outs of that dreadful incident. There's multiple pieces of evidence that brought it all together, and in my opinion, put Selimage in a position where he had no alternative other than plead guilty. That was the strength of the evidence. When we searched his flat in Eastbourne, uh, we recovered the trainers, which are identical to those trainers seen on the CCTV imagery of him arriving at the scene earlier in the hotel, leaving the scene and returning to the hotel. Them trainers uh, were examined forensically and uh, some blood matching Sabina was found on them. I've described Selmash previously as an evil coward uh, and I think that is a fitting term for him. Well, Jabina Yasmin Islam is Sabina's sister. She says her world's crumbled ever since the murder. My sister was um, funny. Uh, lovable, caring. She was very opinionated as well. So, and she had a good heart and she loved her, her nieces. So she's um, finished her teaching degree and um, she's done her first year as a uh, year one teacher and she was going on to her second year of teaching before she was taken away. Um, I think she liked the fact that she made, had an impact on their lives, um, being a positive role model, her life was taken too soon because obviously it was her second year and if this didn't happen, I feel like she would have flourished throughout her whole teaching career. I think it's been horrendous. Um, it's broken us deeply. Um, we never thought that we would be in this situation. Like, um, you would hear this on the news, but you wouldn't hear that it was happening to you. Getting that phone call saying that, She's not here anymore, just was like like a bad dream. It's affected my sisters, it's affected my parents, um, it's affected my daughters as well. It's just made me more aware, since the attack on my sisters, made me more aware that there is this case of men attacking women. And I feel like things need to be done to make sure that women feel safe. So after my sister's attack, I know my friends would approach me telling me, they supported me and said, like, it's true that we don't feel safe now after having these attacks. And something needs to be done, I feel. I think we're all scared. Um, we're more paranoid as well, I think. And we're just looking over our shoulders, making sure that we're safe walking down the streets, which shouldn't be the case. How could he hurt my sister? The thought that he was waiting for some woman to attack her and do what he wanted to do. I was just thinking what a horrible animal, vile animal he is. And I was just angry, upset, 
and the fact that he wouldn't answer any questions as well. So obviously, why did he kill my sister? Why? But I would never know that answer anymore. And I think that will just stay with me for the rest of my life. Why did he carry out such a horrific attack on her? This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. A woman's died after being hit by a train in Herne Bay. Police and paramedics were called to the railway station yesterday evening and were unable to save her. Southeastern services were delayed for several hours. The death isn't being treated as suspicious. Dizzy Rascals avoided being jailed but will have to wear an electronic tag after assaulting his ex-fiancé. The grime artist, whose real name is Dylan Mills, was found guilty of attacking Cassandra Jones after a trial in March. The 37-year-old from Sevenoaks has been given a 24-week curfew and a 12-month restraining order. Now, plans to close a park and ride on the outskirts of Canterbury are expected to go ahead despite major backlash. Council bosses want to shut the site on Sturry Road for two years to save £360,000. They say there's been a drastic drop in passenger numbers since Covid, but more than 90% of residents who've been asked about the idea are against it. Kent Online News. Now, latest figures show a big rise in COVID deaths in Kent. In the last week, 137 people have passed away within 28 days of a positive test. That's compared to just 21 in the previous week. Hospital admissions have also increased in the county. A Tunbridge Wells man's been jailed for breaching a restraining order and sending his former lover a stream of Bible verses. 31-year-old Luke Petty of Sandhurst Road began swapping messages with the woman just days after receiving the order. He's been locked up for 21 months. Firefighters have spent the night tackling a huge barn blaze in Medway. It was being used to store around 400 tonnes of bale hay and caught alight in the early hours of this morning. The flames spread to a small building and a number of skips on Malmain's Hall Road in St Mary Hu. No one was hurt and it's not clear yet how the fire started. Now, a transgender woman from Gravesend has told the Kent Online podcast all about her journey into team sports, which has always been a struggle for her. Lucy Gladding says she's always had a tough time fitting in, but recently took part in a landmark football friendly featuring the first all-transgender ladies side. It took place between TRUK United FC, an LGBTQ plus friendly football team, and Dulwich Hamlet ladies in South London. She's told the Kent Online podcast podcast it felt incredible it was an amazing experience um, for me and my teammates some of which probably may have never actually played football in a team before through just being transgender and not being in sport thinking sport's not for us basically and um, it was amazing to get the feedback from not just our team but the Dulwich Hamlet players who were absolutely fantastic um, with praise and speaking to the crowd, uh, members of the crowd as well, people in the crowd. Um, the support we got was absolutely overwhelming and unbelievable on the 31st. It really was. Um, yeah, it was quite an evening. It's very big for a, a team um, full of cis females like Dulwich Hamlets to allow us to be a part of this amazing experience. 
and the comments and the feedback from the players, what we've seen through social media is absolutely overwhelming. So I got into football when I was very, very young. Um, it was my, funny, it was my outlet growing up. It was, you know, I, massive Arsenal fan. I have to mention that. Um, and going, I played football all throughout my childhood, um, but I never played for any teams. I sort of shied away because um, I essentially didn't want to be a part of a boys team um, because of being trans and knowing my identity underneath. I didn't want to be um, a part of that. Not anything against the boys at all. It just I didn't feel right or comfortable. Um, but I used to play football in the park and what have you. And it was only last year that I um I was going over the field with my friend's children to play football, and I saw my current team, Gravesham Ladies, um, were walking off the field and walking home or after a game or what have you, and it sort of it, it intrigued me. It sort of um it made me do some investigation, not investigation, but it made me get in contact with the club. I found the contact details for the club. I found out who they were and. To see if I could be a part of their um their team, um so I contacted them and I was very overwhelmed with how inclusive they are and how welcoming the whole team was towards me. I think the future looks bright for football. Um, I hope to see um more games like this. Although it was a bad result on the night, um, it wasn't so much about the result, but it was about making headway and getting the message out there. A new cafe and guest house could be added to a 600-year-old Grade 2 listed building in Maidstone. Plans have been submitted for the Corpus Christi Hall in Earl Street, which was built in 1422. If approved, four guest bedrooms with showers will be built along with a new deli. Seven Oaks has been named the best place to live in the southeast. That's according to the Sunday Times Guide, which looked at factors including schools, transport and culture. Deal also made it into the top 70 across the UK. And in football, Gillingham are up against it tomorrow as they look to get their survival bid back on track. A defeat at Sunderland last Saturday has seen the Jills drop back into the League One relegation zone. They take on sixth place Wickham Wanderers at three o'clock. Jills boss Neil Harris says he's not surprised they're back in the danger zone, but the team are in high spirits. I've said all along about one game at a time and to be highs and lows, uh, the league table and move around because I've, I've been in this position before, I know how it works. Um, so I'd give the players up for it as well. So it's no surprise to us as a group. Our mentality hasn't changed one bit. It's not affected any of us. Um, the fact we're only one point behind at this this stage, you know, still great testimony to the work that the, the, that the players have done the last nine weeks, really. Um, all we can focus on is tomorrow and, and we can't focus on, oh, sorry, on Saturday and we can't focus on what Morecambe and Fleetwood and Wimbledon are doing, we're going to focus on what we're doing. So uh, we, we, we just attack Wickham um, and be ready for the game. And let, let's be honest, we, we've had a good run of results. We've Players have done excellently for me and I'm really proud of what they've done for me. But it's coincided with the other teams around us being really poor and not picking results up. That's how we've made so many fast gains, so many quick gains, um, so much impetus and momentum into the league table for us. So it was only a matter of time before teams around us won a few games. So that's why I'm not surprised. And I'd warn the players about this again. So players are really good. Um, they're enjoying themselves. They're enjoying training. You know, they're learning all the time. Um, we're developing. We might have a couple of players back free from injury as well, which would be a real bonus. Touchwood. So we're in a good place. 
Well, that's all for today's podcast. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can also subscribe to the ad-free premium version of Kent Online for exclusive content. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.